Do you ever feel burned out with your work or that your passions and interests aren't in alignment with your personal or professional goals in life? My name is Jake Sudnick, and on Finding Self with Jake, I will share advice that's helped improve my life and the stories of others who have created the life that they want in doing so. My goal is to help you live a life that aligns with the things that you want. And today, I have Sam Livingston on as a guest. What's happening, Sam? How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you're joining here. So we're recording live today from Arabica and Willoughby. Sam, I've got a little bit of a background on you because I did some basic preliminary research. By that, I mean I popped on like the Facebook profile and like pulled up your real estate website. So I don't have a ton of information. Right. This is actually our first time sitting down together. So I'm super excited to talk and kind of learn about what you did to get to where you're at, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, so we'll get right into it here. Number one, so to introduce Sam, you were a Marine for quite some time, right? When did you when did you serve? Uh, actually, I was a Marine from 91 to 97. Okay. And then uh, I, that was active duty as a reconnaissance Marine. I got out yeah. of that, and then I joined the Army as a reservist. Okay. So all my deployed time uh, into in, actual combat zones were with the Army. Okay, wow. Okay, I gotcha. And that was about almost 10 years. Yeah. Uh, it was 14. I did a total of 21 years. Okay, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah, so uh, I, I I did a full, you know, my 20-year uh, obligation to the military. Fantastic. And loved it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And it's, it's great to hear that. And it's so interesting to me that the people that I talk to that have that military background typically find themselves in self-employed fields a lot of times, I've noticed. There's a lot of people that really excel in that in that area. So I'm kind of curious how that transitioned for you, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So other than that, now it was 2006 that you started in real estate? Yeah, got my license in 06 right when I came back from Iraq. Ooh, what a fun time to get started too from that with going right into uh right into about the worst market we've had in a little bit, right? So that's an interesting intro to that. Well, I think that was probably the best thing for me because yeah. you know what they say is you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> and I didn't know I was I did uh I got licensed in March and uh between March and December I had done 17 deals while okay. I was a, a part-time agent and someone was like, "How did you possibly do that?" And I said, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. I mean, that that really was it. it like, I love that. That's a great lesson, too. Like, don't let people tell you what you can't do. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome. And before I get too far ahead, ahead here, so then other than that, outside of like in professional life, you have the real estate team now as well, correct? Correct. Okay. And then you were a firefighter as well in Cleveland? Correct. Awesome. So you got quite a resume, man. That's yeah, I, awesome. I, I bounced around. And, uh, and I always said, if, if I like it, I'm going to do it. Awesome. All right. So I want to take a little bit of a step back and I, I'm kind of curious into coming into real estate, like you said, not knowing what a good or bad market was. How do you think that helped build strength in like what you were doing moving forward? Well, I didn't have the habits that some of the agents in my office had. Um, I remember someone asked about a short sale or had asked me if I yeah. could do a short sale. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And then I went in the office and I asked some questions and some of the older agents were like, no, run from that. <laughs> Never do foreclosures or sh short sales ever. Yeah. And I did the short sale. And then all of a sudden, you know, five months after we finally got the short sale done from the time we were in contract, if you weren't doing short sales, you weren't really in real estate. Yeah. And so the, the lesson to me was don't listen to what other people have, you know, we have always done it this way. I think that's probably one of the uh, the biggest dampers to any business. Oh my gosh, yeah. So um, th the reality for me was just I didn't know anything, so I have to. It doesn't what the difference in a short sale, a, a regular sale, a foreclosure. I don't know. 
just going to go do it. And that's, it, it was a great way to start my business. Okay. So kind of jumping in with, with the, uh, with, with you're completely you're untainted at that point there's nothing that's got into your uh mind that's like okay this is how you're supposed to do things did did you have any kind of mentorship when you got started into the professional world because you you were fresh pretty much fresh out of the military at that point right i was relatively fresh out of the military um i had been a cleveland fireman for six years so uh the the mentorship that i had Almost all came from my background, military and fire. Yeah. Um, and then I started at Realty One, which was eventually bought by Howard Hanna. And uh, Rich Barber was the manager there. Phenomenal guy, great guy, just uh, jovial, fun to be around. And yeah. uh, Tim Bradford, who's still at, at they're, they're both at Howard Hanna. Yeah. Um, and and they never they never left there. But they uh, they weren't assigned mentorship to me, but they both kind of took me under their wing and showed me some things that were very helpful and uh, kind of kind of nurtured me throughout the first probably 10 deals I did to make right. sure, you know, that we were on track mm-hmm. uh, and I was doing the things that were worthy of prospecting. You know, the internet wasn't wasn't real estate yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That's funny. So my background for, like, the whole real estate world, I, I was always uh, in very much in, like, the Mike Ferry coaching world. So I learned, even in, what, I started 2015 and cold calling was like the only thing that I did when I got started. So it was like very much hit the phones, pick things up. You talk to people like face to face and that's how you get business. And then you grow your database from that. Right. Like that was like how you built it. What do you think being in a, so you run a team of how many agents now? Uh, on my direct team, I yeah. have uh, 14 in, okay. in my office that oh, are cool. that are my, my specific team. And then I have a team within my team of five agents. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And your current brokerage is with, I'm with the EXP. EXP okay. I've been there. Uh, I came over uh, when they when they first came to Ohio. As a matter of fact, nice, good time to get in. It was, right? it was an excellent time to get in. <laughs> That's awesome. It's it's got it's grown quite a bit since then. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm curious for like the team aspect. So for what you did and not having you know having a background where it was very structured, it kind of I imagine had some kind of input into like your daily grind, right? You just went out and did the business, like you said. Being a team lead, how do you think agents like early part of the business, how they're influenced, how important is that? Like their first, their kind of like their introduction to it, right? Because you can really get put on like a weird track very quickly with the wrong mentorship and leadership. Absolutely. And so I run my team. I don't think anyone else in America is running their team the way I am. Okay. And it's, I'm not, and I always say it, I say it to my people, my way is not the right way. It's a way and yeah. it works for me. Um, I don't take percentages um, from, from the team. I was on the number one sales team in Ohio. Um, okay. I was on the easy sales team for almost eight years. Oh, nice. Okay. And I learned a ton from those guys. Um, yeah. They run a very tight, a very good business. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, uh, they're still number one after yeah. all these years. So um, I looked and I learned the things that I loved about that. Mm-hmm. And I also learned the things I hated about that. And I think that's where we always try to we try to remanufacture things or, yeah. or, or follow someone else's blueprint. And I go, I, I just didn't like it. Mm. Um, not that it. Listen, if you compare me to them, on paper, sure, they're blowing me away. But in my life, they're not. And and that's not taking anything from them. It's yeah. just saying this is my way. So, um, the structure of my team and the uh, what I've wanted to do is build the relationship. And then help them be successful. The more okay. successful they are, the more successful I am without feeling like I was taking from them. 
Nice. Okay. So what, do, what would you say like the defining differences that like you took some stuff that you're like, okay, this is something I can use. What would you say the biggest differences in what you do versus what, um, what you were doing there? So I just charge a flat fee per yeah. deal. Oh, cool. Okay. And the way EXP is structured, um, there's there's two set two ways I get paid. One is uh, I, it's a pretty nominal transaction fee, if you will, and that keeps my lights on. That I have a an office space that's right on the square in Medina. I have full time administrative assistants. I have you know the printing, the signs, lock boxes, the office space, and all those things. So really, what I wanted to do by when I first started the team was basically subsidize all those things for myself. Makes sense. Okay. I didn't want to come out of pocket to pay an assistant and I didn't want to come out of pocket to pay for the lights and the, you know, uh, all the things that you have to do as a business owner. So mm -hmm. I said, if I have enough agents that are paying me a nominal fee, now we can, it's just subsidizing it. And that's all it was yeah. now because the EXP structure, they're all in my downline. Yeah. So yeah. I get paid and, and you know, and, and I'm not here to, to recruit or, or, or sure. talk points, but the business plan that EXP has uh -huh. that aligns perfectly with me to be able to use these agents to just subsidize my business yeah. and then my real money comes from the downline. Awesome. Okay. So that, that makes sense to me. So really the brokerage allows for you to have something where you feel like you're taking a little bit less from the agents, but you're still getting a really good return back on your time and investment. Absolutely. And that's why um, I'm able to provide a lot more time and investment into these um, agents and uh, be there when they when they have questions and yeah. to run meetings that are meaningful and, and hopefully uh, coaching in the sense of, mm -hmm. I always say anybody can write a contract. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm not teaching you how to write a contract. I have people that'll help you do that. I want to talk about negotiation and I want to talk about building a business that's going to sustain the yes. lifestyle that you're after. <laughs> Absolutely, a hundred percent right. I, I think that that's so funny because with our with our industry. So for anybody, for, for our, our listeners here that aren't super into the real estate industry, there's a huge heavy, uh, I think, push when you get in. That's all centered around like the paperwork and the back end and all this other stuff that doesn't really help in the actual business building side of what we do, which is arguably, I think, the most important part of it. So it's kind of a backwards way, I think, to like get into that. Absolutely. Whole thing. Yeah, it's it's strange to me why it's like that. I, I'll never understand for the life of me. But it's well, I, I I've thought about this a lot because yeah. I think about you know the meetings that we go to, and I would go, oh great, we're gonna have a meeting, and we're gonna learn more about septic tanks. I'm like, you know what? what? I know enough about septic tanks that I don't want to know the get into the weeds. I have professionals that if we have a problem, let's exactly. go that route. I want to stay in my lane, and that is represent my buyer seller to their mm -hmm. absolute best interest, mm -hmm. and then build my business, grow my business, you know, yes. have, uh, have those relationships that people want to return over and over as you know, you're their lifelong realtor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, I've heard those things, but what happens in my opinion is some of the people that are put in those positions, you know, and I, I might offend a teacher or two here, but <laughs> you're um, fine. No worries. Those who can't teach. Yeah. And, sure. and, and I look at that and I go, you know what? I don't want to learn from the person who's never failed mm -hmm. and never succeeded. They just kind of ridden that that midline. No, yeah. I want to. I want to hear your failures, man. I want to see where you really screwed up, uh -huh. uh, and and won. That way, I, maybe I don't have to repeat some of your your errors. I love that thought. And so let's push a little bit further there because when we talk about okay, so I want to learn from your failures. What do you think some of yours have been? Oh, I, I have tons of them. When like I, big, like monumental things that have changed, like the way that you have done what you're doing. Absolutely. Monumental yeah. um, partnerships, 50-50 mm -hmm. partnerships rarely work. Now, my business coach mm -hmm. said, do not 
go into a 50-50 partnership. And I think it's like when your dad says, don't drink the beer. <laughs> so immediately <laughs> yeah, I went yeah. out and I 50-50 partnered with a lovely person. I, 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 she's phenomenal. The problem is she is got a different sense of business than I do. And again, yeah. her way is not wrong. My way is not right. It's just we were very different. And so when you come together in those relationships, rarely does it work. Now, we, I've seen people that could do it. Sure. My personality isn't that personality. Gotcha. And so you, I think my biggest mistake was, again, I was reflecting on what other people have done. The Easy Sales Team is a great example. They, yeah. They've perfected a 50-50 partnership somehow. Absolutely. My business coach basically said, "You, you, that's not for you. It won't work." And I was like, "Well, you know, Mike and Greg are doing it, and they're great at it, and they're and and, and I followed the blueprint that they had built sure. that was good for those two, um, and it and it was miserable for me. And I I swam in that misery for about a year and a half. Yeah, lost a ton of money, um, made some some grave errors and probably changed some relationships for the worse that, that didn't necessarily need to go that route. Yeah. Um, and that's not on my business partner. Um, like I said, I couldn't think more highly of her. It's just, uh, she's a type a and I'm a type a, and we were two yeah. lions in the same room with, you know, one stake in the middle and it, yeah. it, it just didn't work. You need to, in that kind of relationship, if those type of people were working together, you kind of have to have leadership roles established where somebody is following the other. You can't, be in that middle ground of both trying to figure out what the rule is. Cause then you just start, it, it almost splits into like two groups, right? You almost have two independent things that you're going and running parallel as opposed to working together. Well, sometimes if yeah. they would just run parallel, you'd yeah. be happy, but oftentimes <laughs> they cross or they go for far apart. And when they yeah. come back together, it's a uh, 60 miles an hour straight at each other. And, and, and you know what, here's the thing. If you're going to run a team, yeah. How do the people, that are supposed to be subordinate within that team structure, how are they supposed to feel? And, you know, it becomes that divorced parents almost where, you know, we're going to play mom against dad. And I'm like, you know what, this is, this is not working. It just doesn't work. The second biggest mistake okay. is when you recognize that you've made a mistake, stop the mistake. <laughs> I was going to compliment you. Actually, a year and a half isn't isn't the worst. That That's a relatively, for the scope of having a business and running it, that's enough time where you, you gave it a shot and then you have to recognize. Now, moving forward, I'm sure if you see things like that, it happens a lot sooner where you can make that change. I know for me, I studied in the wrong place for like a lot longer than I need to. My, my background was also on a team. I worked with uh, Kames on the east side for a long time. So I learned a lot about running my business. It was just... The way they did it was a very different way than I wanted to do it. And as I moved up through what was, you know, the team is still kind of tiered, but when I was towards the top of what, what that group was, I really noticed it, it brought out more of what I wanted in my business, and it wasn't matching with what they sure. were doing anymore. So I, I had a similar journey in that way that I had to change paths because what I was doing just, like, didn't fit that same kind of mold that they had so for sure a learning experience but i think mine took a little bit longer than maybe it needed to because i was there for maybe four or five years or so doing that but you know you, you can't change that right you, <laughs> that's you know i like yeah. to look back at those things only yeah. from what i can glean from it as a positive or a growth yeah. uh not as a dwell you know oh, like yeah. but but it's funny that you mentioned that because this is what i often say about mm -hmm. real estate is and this is every broker, my broker, all my past brokers, any any broker that's going to start, they need you to have 
a heartbeat and a real estate license. That, uh, <laughs> yes. and that's not, I mean, that's their business structure. So yeah. they, they are happy to have the agent count. Yeah. And so what happens, and I know how most of these, especially the national brokerages work and what sure. team leader role really is uh, with recruiting my mm -hmm. own company with recruiting. So what happens is they get these young agents that are, that are ready to learn and be influenced. And, and we put roadblocks in their way to keep them from leaving. Yep. Bro I mean, <laughs> listen, and I'm not saying that brokerage does it and mine does it. This is why would they pot, why would they go through the expense of giving you an email address? I tell my people, I can give you like my my team yeah. is called Marathon Group and I can give you at marathongroup.com. Sure. Don't take it. <laughs> don't take it. I yeah. want, like I say make it as easy as you can to pick up tomorrow and leave where you don't have to do it in the middle of the night. Yeah. Build a relationship the right way and when mm -hmm. you leave, the door will be open. And you won't get turned off. And I've had people that have come to me from different brokerages. Yeah. And immediately what happens is they're like, oh, my God, they turned everything off. I'm like, well, yeah, it's a business that they're running. And you left. You're not helping them. So yeah, I, I see a lot of people that stay a lot longer because they don't have the power. They never gave themselves the power yeah. to be able to make those decisions. Wow. that's. I think that that's such an awesome thing because it is truly a rarity in our industry to just be upfront with people and say, hey, you have the option to go anytime you want. And kind of giving people the freedom probably helps secure their decision and knowing like, okay, well, this is a good place that I'd want to work because I'm not, you know, nothing's keeping me here other than my own decision. So that's, that's a, that's a nice thing to build, I think, in, in people's mindset. And honestly, if everything else works out, I have a theory and I think that I'm pretty close to it, but I think that every brokerage is relatively the same within a scope of reason. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> there's change, there's sure. differences, right? But the services that they offer for you as an agent are relatively the same within some scope of reason. Like there's little differences here and there. What do you think like, and I'm curious about this from the brokerage standpoint with like where I work, I'm Berkshire, I'm with Berkshire Hathaway. I always think like, what is the public perception of the place that I work? And I, I, at first I was like, oh, this is cool because like Warren Buffett, it's like luxury, but that's like not really that at all. Well, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and in reality, I, I think it's funny what like a public perception would be or an agent perception. Cause then when I talk to agents, I think everybody that's like, oh, if you work with Berkshire Hathaway, like you have to be like 60 plus. It's like, <laughs> like the normal like thought that I would imagine comes from that. What do you think people think of from an agent perspective of exp well i think every brokerage mm -hmm. has the exact same things going on within them we have a perception that we believe yeah and it's usually it's usually somewhat wrong oh for sure from what the <laughs> public sure. here's what i've learned about the public perception yeah is it doesn't matter love it they, they mostly don't care about your brokerage yeah. um it, unless something was put in their head by somebody else and that's fine they care sure. about the person and the relationship so when I look at EXP, what do agents see? Well, they yeah. see recruiters. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and now we're seeing hashtag unrecruitable and things like this. And someone ac actually uh, very recently asked me, "Will you le ever leave EXP?" And I said, "I will never, ever leave EXP until the day I leave EXP." Yeah. And they're like, "What does that even mean?" And I said, "Listen, <laughs> if you can show me a better lifestyle, yeah. a better system, a better business plan." then I'm obligated to myself because yeah. I, listen, I love EXP. I love Glenn Sanford. I love the things that we've done. For sure. I love the technology. I love all of those things. The same as I loved it when I was at my previous brokerages. Nice. And until someone showed me something better, and I truly believe that EXP is the absolute best brokerage out there for me. Nice. If I didn't, 
I would be at the one I thought was. And that's what mm-hmm. makes me crazy about this business is we want to put on this shirt like we're yeah. like we're like you're a Cleveland Browns fan and that's the only fan you can be. And well, you live in Cleveland and and that's a good thing, but the problem is yeah. That's being a fan. You're running a business and for you to go I refuse to look at anything else kind of makes me laugh. At the same time, yeah. I understand the the recruitment um can can feel ugly sometimes. I've been I get recruited all the time. Sure. My actually my assistant gets recruited far more than me. She's licensed, <laughs> she sells and she's a rock star. And yeah. we sometimes compare our recruitment notes and laugh because oh, yeah. I'm like, did you did you realize how gross that was? Mm-hmm. And some people are very good at it, some people are very bad at it. I just go listen, build the relationship and don't worry about the rest. I love that. And I, I I wanted to ask you that and I hope it doesn't feel like I'm trying to like spring like a a question to like trap you into oh, it no. all. I genuinely was curious because I think about it and I'm like, well, every single agency is out there recruiting, especially this between November and freaking March or whatever, you're getting calls left and right every single day. So like everybody is out there recruiting, but there's like a weird perception around EXP why people don't like their style of recruitment. And I, I'm not sure that I've gathered exactly why that is. If it's like, I love that. Um, and without stepping on toes, because I believe in being uh, very yeah. respectful of there's great agents at every brokerage and there's um, agents that aren't great at every brokerage. Sure. Um, there's a perception and part of it was built in a very specific way um, by somebody who actually pioneered the recruitment uh-huh. in this area, especially. Uh, and, and I was at that brokerage for a while. And oh, okay. what's funny is oh. they're the largest finger pointer of, of the recruitment. And I go, wait a minute, I remember these exact conversations that you that came out of your mouth for your own brokerage. So I think part of it is, one is EXP came so fast sure, and yeah. so hard. Like I was literally in the first group of agents that joined EXP in Ohio. Yeah. So, and I heard all the things, this will never work. Right. Uh, this is not sustainable. This is, you know, X, Y, Z. And I go, wait a minute, I remember when you guys came to town you brought them to town, you, these very agents, and you heard it's not sustainable. It'll never work. You'll never have market share, blah, 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 blah. You guys only recruit. You don't actually sell. Well, I mean, you can look me up in the MLS. I sell. Absolutely. And I've always sold and I'm always going to sell. And I laugh because I go, these are scarcity mindset things that people put out there. Why? Because again, brokers need a license. They got to protect it. Heartbeat. And that's what they need. So they'll protect it at all costs. So, um, that scarcity mindset, I think, is the greatest thing to work against. Yeah, I'm in abundance, man. And I go, listen, if I'm going to have a meeting with you, I want to build a relationship. And then if you make a decision that's counter to me, I'm going to high five you and say, go win. And, and I really want you to go win. And the number of people that have come back is, is really good. That's awesome. I had someone that told me that someone got very angry at them and said, do you know how much time I have invested in you? Really? <laughs> That's how you're going to run your business? I can't say that I haven't heard similar things before come out from uh, other agents. So it's it's crazy. So yeah. so, so the EXP, uh, the idea of EXP recruiting more than others, I don't find that to be true at all. My yeah. personal, uh, that's my personal opinion. Because I could show you the emails and the phone calls and the text messages I get from these other brokerages that are recruiting me. Yeah. And some of the offers that I've been given. Um and, and I go, this is no, what's different, but these are some of the same people that complain about it. I'm like, listen, again, mm-hmm. the way we make money is 
if you're a broker or sure. a team leader or whatever that particular brokerage is called, mm -hmm. their job is to recruit. Sure, absolutely. Their job is to recruit, right? Because you have to have those people underneath you. So if you have a model that does it and it's a little bit different or it's more beneficial for you to do that, you're just being incentivized even more, right? That makes sense to me. Well, the, I, I understand that. I think here's the biggest yeah. difference that I see, and so let's let's take you know, and let's not name brokerages because yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. wanna, I'm, not, I'm not trying to. Yeah, do I almost like did. A trash talk. I, I just don't want to do that because <laughs> of course. because I don't. I because I, I I appreciate all the business models out there, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's so there's one in particular that I'm very familiar with, and they have someone that is, they are the recruiter, sure. and so people within the company. Basically, they find an agent, and even in some of their questionnaires, they're like, hey, did you like working with that agent? Do you think they'd be a good fit at XYZ? And I think all brokers probably do something similar. Of course, yeah. And then you give that name to this particular recruiting person, and okay. then that person contacts them. And it's like, what's the difference? Well, we don't ha at EXP, we don't have someone specifically to do that. Yeah. You do it yourself, and then you're incentivized if that person comes over. And Makes so I sense. go, what's the real difference? The difference is one person hired a specific head to yeah. do that and the other company did not but we're do we're both looking for the same thing and that's agent yeah. growth it's kind of the same thing at the end of the day right like we're you're the, and that's that's why i was very interested in like the the perception difference i appreciate you answer, answering that for me and kind of talking about that a little bit because i think it clears the air on some things that people are just curious about when it comes to our industry in in particular so um kind of rewinding a little bit I, i'm curious when now like way back when you got into real estate, how did you pick that as a career that you wanted to get into? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I was. Uh, it was early two thousands. Um, I I got hired on the Cleveland Fire Department in October of two thousand. Uh huh. And I was flipping houses. Okay, cool. And quickly, I realized I hated realtors. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's such a common entry for our industry. It, it, <laughs> it, well, so if we go back to that period of time, you had two types of realtors. You had the arms link transaction buyer and seller come together and you know yeah. there's emotion involved well in the investor market especially then realtors were they had that type of realtor and we had the bank owned property realtor uh, um, okay. and so those distressed property realtors were uh, like they were i always say like the guy in office space that they kept downside like he they're the they're the the bottom of the barrel in the in that office they never leave the office i can't yeah. tell you the number of those realtors that would give me codes to houses yeah, i never yeah. met them i never saw them um the, a consumer guide agency like i signed it yeah. at closing you know or or at the offer and then i would see the the um the hud one and i would go that, that guy made that much money off of this that's my margin and i said well i'm gonna get wow. licensed <laughs> and when i get when i get licensed for that then I can keep my own margin on yeah. that side. And uh, so that that was really the, the precipice for me uh, getting my license. So I get deployed to Iraq in 04. That yeah. kind of derailed like the idea I was going to start real estate school then. Sure, sure. Um, and I said, well, when I go back, mm -hmm. I'll get licensed. And that's what I did. So it was really to do my own deals. Nice. Okay. And then did, did it take off from a different, did you end up c continuing doing your own deals from there or did it like change where you're like, I got more into the sales side of it? I still do my own deals. I, okay. I still flip houses. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So, um, and I work with a lot of investors, so it Perfect. still is very helpful there. Yeah. Uh, when I flip my own houses, I'm like, Ooh, I got that commission. And a lot of times I'll write the commission. If I'm, if I'm going to do a buy and hold, I'll write the commission into the deal. So that way the taxes are, Makes sense. It, it, what's nice is when you can look at 
real estate as a from this thirty thousand foot view. Yeah. You look down and you go, okay, how can I maximize everything that I'm doing? Uh, okay. Legally, professionally, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- ethically, we want all those things to be a part of it, and we go. Man, if I wasn't a real estate agent, I don't know that I would have the same wherewithal to do these things or the yeah. capability. Of course, I couldn't keep my own commission if I wasn't sure. a licensed real estate agent. So um, th- th- that's why I've, I've really enjoyed this journey. Oh, my gosh. And over the course of that many years of transactions, that's a big difference. <laughs> so that's a really, really big difference. So, wow. Okay. That, that's awesome. So that kind of gives me an insight to your process and how you fumbled fumbled into real estate, right? right? I, I just love that so many people have the same story. Of, I couldn't stand working with real estate agents, so I got a license. Yeah. It, if you can't beat them, join them. Yes. I have several friends that were in a very similar situation. They're like, I didn't like how my house sale was going, or I didn't like this process. I'm like, I could do this better. So they got into it, and I think that that's incredible. I think it's awesome that there is that ability to jump in. And then it's one of those industries where sometimes it's hard for me to remember what my life was before being in like a self-employed space or like business owner space where, I mean, you do have like a written, like, this is your, this is what you make this, no matter what you do, this is what you make. Like that's now that seems like so limiting to me if I was in that spot anymore where I couldn't have the ability to like make my own choices and decide, okay, like how much money am I going to make this year? Like whatever it is that, I mean, so you've, You've been in this for a long time, but you had like some service and stuff before. Is that anything that like, I mean, you'd never go back now, right? There's never anything that would bring you back into a world where you weren't working for yourself, correct? Oh, no. I mean, (laughs) when I resigned from the Cleveland Fire Department, I had 18 years on. I was a lieutenant. Yeah. People are like, nobody resigns. I said, well, I just resigned. And they're like, you can't resign. You're too close. And I go, I just resigned. And it was, if, if I could... Throw my gear on and go into a fire right now, or just go to the firehouse and drink coffee. And that, great. Yeah. The problem is the limitations that I was putting on myself there yeah. were were great. And and you know I had been gone uh, overseas quite a bit, and uh, working one out of three days on a very busy fire company is taxing. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, you get two days off. It's like one day sometimes is just recovery. Yeah, yeah. So my family life was suffering. My, um, it, it was. I had to choose one or the other. I could no longer do both. Wow. And so now, going back, yes, I would work a nine to five. Yeah. You could not afford to pay me. No, there's no, like, we're talking seven figures for me to do that. (laughs) Um, For sure. (laughs) And I look at a lot of things that way. I built a table recently for for Feeding Medina County, and it came out really nice. It took took me probably ten times as long as it would take a professional to do it. Sure. But it came out beautiful, and so I put it in a space, and someone reached out to me that I didn't know. And they said, I saw that table you built. How much would it cost me for you to build that? And I said, $10,000. And they went, are you out of your mind? I said, no, I never want to build another one again, <laughs> but I will yeah. if the price is right. And that's the same thing I equate to everything. If you, yeah. if you don't really do it and want to do it, if you have to do it, you better make it worth my while. I love that. I love that. I think that that's so important, right? Because I guess that kind of leads right into the point. And this is maybe something I should have talked about a little bit earlier. But one of the things that I started this show for is helping people find what their passion is and how do you like double down on that thing. So what would you say yours is? My passion? Yeah. Man, I I tell you what. One thing that I've learned about myself Mm -hmm. is I really enjoy teaching. Okay. Um. And not in an environment where there's a curriculum, but I even, I talk to my clients and I said, here's my job. Yeah. 
my job is to teach you what can happen based on your decisions. Mm. If you go A or you go B, my job is to be able to foresee from experience, from knowing the market and those things, what can happen. When I educate you on all the ins and outs, you get to make an informed decision. You know, a lot of real estate agents think they make decisions. And I'm like, I I decide who I want to work with. Mm -hmm. That's the decision-making process I have. Yeah. Um, I decide which direction my business goes in, but not so much with the the clientele. So um, my agents, uh, when I was in the military, my last job in the military was as I was an embedded mentor with uh, the Afghan National Army. Okay. We're teaching. And what I found is I just really enjoy the process of giving someone knowledge. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes I'm learning as much as they are or even yeah. more. So that's my passion. I love that. I think that there's alongside that, like a freedom and power that come along with that, like educating yourself. Right. And you, every little bit that you give to somebody else, it's like you get, you get to just remove a little bit of that, whatever you've been, we talked about your pre, you know, whatever has influenced you in life, you get to break away that a little bit more. Every time you get something else, every time you have another conversation right. like this, you get a little bit further away from what I'm supposed to be doing versus what do I actually really want to be doing? And it can be anything, like you said, from a transaction to helping your agents out to working in that. I mean, working with the army, that's incredible. So be able to, cause that's really giving freedom. That's really empowering people to be something else. That's incredible. Well, wow. in my, my business coach is a phenomenal guy. His name is Hank Avink. He is brilliant. Yeah. Um, with tons of failures and tons of successes. And, and we, we put it very easily. It's either, and we usually say F, but we'll, we'll just we'll lighten it up a little bit. We say it's a hell yeah or it's a hell no. Yes. And if you're feeling like you don't want to do it, there's no, in this business, there's no have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to work with that person. Someone just told me that working with a very nasty client mm-hmm. and, and I go, but why? Yeah. To what end? For a paycheck? I can drive you to Home Depot. They'll give you stock <laughs> options and health benefits. Yes. <laughs> I love. I say that all the time, and I'm in Home Depot a lot. So, like, sure, I have sure. nothing against Home Depot. Absolutely. But I go, if you want to, if you're going to run your business the way you're running your business, you should yeah. go get a job. A hundred percent. And like you said, there's no have to do it. It's just what do you want to do? And if you really want it, then finding more of it isn't really that. It's not the challenge that you can make it out to be because some people do get stuck in ruts or whatever have you, and. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I've done it myself where there's times I've been working with people that were like, what, what am I doing? You know, right. I've had to do that several times in my life where I step back and reevaluate. Re- okay, hold on. Why am I doing this? Like, I know more of what I want than I give myself credit for sometimes in those situations. Absolutely. And we, we have limiting beliefs. Like, I, yeah. well, I have to do that. I have an agent that only wants to work with buyers. God bless her because yeah. I don't. I would prefer to work with sellers. Sure. I, I, but I have no problem working with buyers. It's just... I just know the process is different. Absolutely. So for her, I said, but why are you taking listings then? And she says, well, because I have, I, why, why do you have to? I said, you know that you could refer it. And then all of a sudden, magically, you can get a, a referral commission. Yeah. And someone else knocked it out of the park that only wants to do sales. And I go, that, but that breaks down to every single thing we do. I don't yeah. want to do that. Guess what? Do you know what I really hate to do? Mm-hmm. Paperwork. Yeah. Despise it. Same. I can relate to that very much. <laughs> so I hired someone who's phenomenal at it, loves yeah. it, and knocks it out of the park. And I go, there, I don't have to worry about that. And it lets you do more of the things that you want to do. Absolutely. Which helps, again, everyone. Love it. It's such a simple concept, but it is 
it's difficult to start, but I think after you get into that habit of doing it, it really helps you build upon it. How long have you been in, or have you had a coach? Um, I So when I left the team, I I say I burned the boats, and I did. I burned the boats. I started, I, I left the team. I resigned from the Cleveland Fire Department. I okay. changed brokerages, and all at once, like, a, like I had matches everywhere. I was oh just like, gosh. let's burn it all down, and, and because I had a plan. And so yeah, at yeah. that moment, um, <laughs> I saw Hank, and Hank had um, Hank had been off my radar for a while, yeah. and uh, he put out a video because he had he had had some really big wins, and he was starting his own coaching company. Okay. And when I saw that, I was like, I'll just preface it: it was snowing, and he wasn't wearing clothing, <laughs> and he was running around in the snow with excitement, and uh, and, and but the video was very. It was very meaningful to him, and I could see that. And I was like, yeah. I, I got to reach back out to him. I'd known him for about six or seven years before that. Yeah. And it was, he goes, I don't really have a lot of space for you right now. Mm -hmm. He goes, if you think you want to work with me, it's going to cost you $5,000 up front, mm -hmm. non-refundable, and come up here to Michigan and uh, come to this retreat. Wow. Okay. And I did, and he's been in my coaching world since then. So that was 2017. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. That, and that's that's a big commitment, but it's one of those ones that when you make it, you're gonna you're gonna go for it, right? That, like you said, you, when you burn everything behind you, it's kind of like the sink or swim mentality. And I know for me personally, I I do better typically if I've get if I've kind of cut the things off. It's something about when you're trying to hold on to what you had before and like kind of halfway get in, it doesn't seem to take off the way that you want until you really commit. You know, that, I was just that's the word. It's commit, and yeah. you can't commit like I safety nets. I had zero safety nets. I left the fire department, my pension, my gone, um, my deferred yeah. comp. All those things are immediately like in the rearview mirror, gone. Yeah. And I see people too often. They go, "Well, I'm going to do this in case it doesn't work out." I'm like, "Well, what you're just saying is it's not important enough." Mm -hmm. And take the leap. Yeah. Uh, getting in cold water. If you put your toe in, there's a good chance the rest of you's not going in. Yeah. And I, I know that's difficult for some people to. Uh, to really grasp, but I go, if you're going to make a change, make a change. Yeah. People want to make these gradual changes because that's most comfortable. Sure. But most comfortable doesn't usually get the job done. I agree with that. And it's, it's, it's a weird and scary thing to commit to if you haven't done that. You know, it's, it, I feel like a lot of people haven't been in that position where they've, you know, when you come from a job that, I, I say security, but security is kind of an illusion too, or you think that you have pay, may, payment coming until you're laid off like two years ago or something like that, right. right? A lot of people learned that they didn't have the security that they thought they had. And I think that that's pushed a lot of people into more of a self-employed field or wanting to work for themselves after the past couple of years where they're like, oh, my job's gone. I guess I better figure some shit out because it's not there anymore. Right. So we have that illusion. And I think when you come from that background of not really, uh, of always thinking that, well, I've got something steady, you can even start to have that here, like the people that don't want to give away a client. It's the same thought, right? It's scarcity mindset where you're thinking, I've got something steady and safe. Should I really give that away for something that seems like, are you, are you unsure? What's holding you back? There's something that makes you think that maybe you aren't going to make it. And I think that's a normal thought for people to have, but you got to get rid of it. it it's usually right? our own limitation in our yeah. head. Uh, mo more pe most of hmm. us, are receiving more confidence from our sphere than we have in ourselves, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's a listen survival. 
Yeah. We have those instincts. I get it. You want to be protected by nature. Humans are lazy. We're built to be lazy. <laughs> sure. You don't see, you don't see um, predator animals sitting in chairs. No. You know, we, we're <laughs> built to think about how to make things more convenient, more lazy, more mm -hmm. comfortable. So to go against that grain is difficult. Yeah. But when you do it, you see people that build their own success. They're not sleeping in. They're not doing, you know, having all these horrible habits around success yeah if you read you could read uh, give me 100 of the greatest success books out there mm -hmm. and they're going to be so many common threads like i would love to just probably just break down 10 and say well out of out of those 10 these people have a set time probably to get up a yep. set time to go to bed a, a set way to eat a set way to do certain things uh, i know steve jobs and i think gary yeah. keller too even went as far as to like limiting their wardrobe so they could think less about things that didn't matter to them. Oh, yeah. To be that tactical, that calculated of what you're doing. I mean, that's the kind of thing that it takes. Depending, like, you have to think about, and this is where it comes into what do you actually want? What are your goals? Because there is a level for all, all, of, all of us, like where you want to be at. And people need to think about what that end goal might be because... I know for me, one of the things that I started off, and I think it was the wrong thing to do, was I looked at what a bunch of other people were doing, and I wanted to emulate, kind of like you had mentioned, like your team, you're like, oh, uh, the team versus like easy. Like emulating, okay, well, I'm emulating the production of somebody who's going to do a ton of business, but then I'm getting really burned out by the process of trying to do that, because in reality, I could. It's more than I want to commit. And it was hard for me to admit that because I felt like, okay, I'm letting myself down a little bit because maybe like if I, is it like, it, it's, you know, all those like weird self-doubt things pop back up. But part of it, I think, was not being fully into what it was that I was trying to do. So I'm trying to do somebody else's business by saying, oh, I'm going to do 100 deals. I don't want the lifestyle of doing 100 deals myself. Like maybe if I built it differently, I'd, I'd enjoy it more. Or maybe if I had a different setup, but looking at it that way, it's kind of changing the scope of, you know, what do you actually want versus how are you getting there? And trying to live somebody else's life doesn't usually get you there. The, the other thing uh, I find that is a really heavy burden in this industry is ego. Yeah. yeah. And I have a, I have an ego that can get me in trouble. As a For matter of sure. fact, we t I talk about it all the time about, is this ego driven or is this want need driven? Yeah. Um, yeah. I need to be happy. I want to be happy. Sometimes my ego would allow me, you know, and again, n nothing against anyone that I've ever worked with before, but being sure. the number one, do you know how little I care about that today? <laughs> there, there, I have no desire yeah. to work those hours yeah. and have that stress. Now, if that drives you and that's truly what's making you happy, mm -hmm. God bless you, man. I'm going to pat you on the back and be like, go to it. For sure. And then I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, but, but we do that oftentimes with our ego. And I think that's why sometimes we're afraid to leave brokerages. Yeah. We're afraid to leave certain teams. We're afraid that we will lose um, some kind of aspect that we believe other people are looking at. And yeah. most people could care less. Yeah, it's got to come from from what you want out of it. So that's that's so huge. And I think that dropping the ego, that's probably one of the biggest. And it's difficult because sometimes, yeah, I know, like I myself, I won't. I've had trouble even admitting that it existed. I'm like, no, I'm not. I like it. It manifests in a different way for me. I might not outwardly show it, but there's an ego there, or I would say something about it. So being able to admit, like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want. It's a big change. So I've covered a lot of. I think what I was hoping to talk to you about today, Sam, I, I like to kind of end on a, 
you know, if, whether you've got something motivational or something that you could give out to people that are still trying to figure out what it is that they're doing. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that in the past couple of years have gone through this like shift of like, I got to do something different with my life. I'm just not sure what it is. And there's been a lot of change. Actually, before I close everything out, have you had any big changes that have come up with you recently outside of, I mean, the, the team was a big one. So that, that was, or uh, excuse me, switching brokerages was big. Has there been anything else to you that like has been like a life reevaluation? Well, um, it, it's funny you yeah. mentioned that, and I had no idea. But everybody wants you to separate personal life from business life, and yeah. I don't think it's quite possible. Um, I'm after 21 years of marriage, I'm I'm divorcing. Oh wow! So that's a, a monumental change. Wow! Yeah. How do you navigate that without changing your business? The truth is, you can't. No. And it's okay. And that's yeah. the other thing is. My mindset now is, what's good for everybody involved? Yeah. What's the best for everybody involved? And sometimes it is putting something down and letting someone else pick it up. Yeah. So yeah. The, I look at new agents all the time. I talk to new agents, and they come in, and it's the greatest thing because they have these this nervous energy. They want to do something. They don't have yeah. a clue what to do. When I when I went to my brokerage, the first thing that happened was Rich Barber showed. He pointed to this desk in the middle of the bullpen, and it had a phone. Yes, the, the phone, <laughs> yeah, a notepad, a, a legal pad, a phone book, residential phone book. Oh my gosh, yeah, and an ink pen. And I sat down. And I was like, "What do I do?" No, like nobody told me. So Tim Bradford comes yeah. out and he says, "Yeah, just pick a letter." And I go, "What?" And he goes, "Pick a letter and start calling phone numbers." <laughs> and and I did that. Yeah, yeah. And I have not made a cold call in probably 15 years. And I say I will never do it again until yeah. everything else fails in my business. Sure. But I had an agent that was brand new, Adam Ellswick. He came in and he made 185 cold calls the first day he was there. He had two listings that weekend. Brand new agent. Look at that. And I go, <laughs> so my my aha yeah. was find your way. Yeah. And, and, and I do it every day. So I don't have any – nothing I have is original. It's all hmm. – pieces and parts. Hey, that worked for that guy. And I like it that work that worked for that, that team. And yeah. I like it that worked for that individual. And I like it and like that it. worked for them, but I hate it. I'm not, I'm not taking that piece with me. Okay. And that's really what it is for me. Like everybody wants to have this perfect blueprint and I call it, you know, the magic pill. That's why Zillow exists Yeah. because yeah. people want some shortcut and I go shortcut, come up with your own shortcut. Don't follow me. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's exactly that, what you said, you know, don't follow me, just take the pieces that make sense for you because it has to be yours. So it doesn't mean that you have to create something out of thin air, but find what works for you out of that system. Love it. Awesome, Sam. That's that's incredible advice, man. I am so happy that you came in and talked to me today about all this stuff because I think that it I think we've covered some cool thoughts. And just, I, I love hearing different stories about how you kind of get to where you are. And it seems like you've built something that you've really become passionate about and you care about. And you have a lot more of the life that you're living now that you like. And I guess, have you, would you agree with that? Have you built more of a life that you want through this industry and through the career that you've done? Uh, absolutely. Every single day, that's my focus. When I wake up, I go, all right, cool. What am I doing today that's going to get me to tomorrow that I enjoy as much? And I, listen... Like every person out there, I have my ups, I have my downs, I have my doubts, I have my wins and losses, sure. and I go, every single one of them today is propelling me to a better tomorrow. And, and nice. if you don't have that mindset, you're already you're already losing. That's that's probably the biggest thing I could tell people. Is mindset is everything. Love it, 
Love it. We'll close on that then. So where can everybody find you if they want to get in touch? You could Google Sam's on fire. Um, Easy. And <laughs> it'll come up one of several ways. That's where I'm at on Facebook. That's where I'm at on LinkedIn. That's where I'm at on... Uh, I actually just started a TikTok account, which is kind of Love funny. It. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to translate to other stuff. But I didn't know how Facebook was going to translate when, these, when you know, in 2008 when I joined that late yeah, to the party. Doesn't so, hurt. <laughs> no. And I said, so if you just... You can just look up Sam's on fire. Um, Sam Livingston is my private page. I pretty awesome. much am open. I'll answer any questions. I'm an open book, and uh, I'm not afraid to, to tell you the bad stories with the good. I love it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I'll tag it all on the show notes so everybody listening can find it. Thank you again, Sam. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. It's been fun.